the grace of God we will carry on. His love endures forever. See
Sunday. This is a, uh, a time to declare the truth. This is not just about these four gentlemen. It's about the families they've come from. And many of you have been part of their lives. I mean, I've heard stories this morning. Some of them have been here for 17 years, which is quite amazing. But I just want to just draw your attention. I'm not going to preach. But I'm going to draw your attention to this fact. We need to trust God with our children, no matter how old they are. Whether you're a parent sending your graduate out into that big, wide world, or a youth pastor who is saying farewell to men that they've barely known for a month, you know, graduation season is a bit anxious for many. And the questions that come to mind, will they find a church? Will they find meaning in life? Will they find Christian friends? Will they continue if they don't know the Lord? And I'm not talking about these gentlemen, but will they continue in the Christian faith or will they reject it? Will they enjoy their newfound freedom to, to avoid church without me, without you, to keep them connected. And if we're honest, it's easy for much of what we do to be driven by fear. And as parents fear that they haven't read the Bible enough to their children or that they were either too strict or too lenient, again, as the youth pastor, 
the fear that you might have been too boring in your, in your lessons, in your teachings. We can all give in to that fear when it comes to the noise of social media. This is an important day. Many of these fears culminate at graduation time. Paul's words in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 are particularly rele relevant. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Salvation, friends, is a work of God from beginning to end. No matter where they are, no matter where they go, it is a work of God. No parent or pastor can control a teenager's conversion or an adult's conversion. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 reminds us that salvation is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Sometimes the people who are tempted to boast aren't the converted person, but the parent or the pastor who boasts in their influence. You don't, we don't know students' spiritual futures. There's no way that we can know. But I would like us to trust God with our kids. And as old as they look, they're your children. And so I call you to trust God with your children. It's natural to worry about them, to fear the worst when they graduate and, and head out into the world. And you can find real comfort in God's sovereignty. The Holy Spirit is just as present in college or wherever else they may go as he is. So this morning we have several folks that we want to uh, recognize. First, we want to recognize um, some college graduates. Um, so we have four that we're going to recognize, uh, three from college, one from seminary. So if you're here and I call your name, if you'll just stand. Um, so the first one we're going to recognize is Connor Fortner. Connor's over there. Connor Fortner. Graduating from Georgia Southern University, summa cum laude, with a Bachelor of Business Administration degree in finance. So congratulations, Connor. <laughs> Next is Sarah Hogg. No, Sarah, she's not, she's not here, couldn't be here. All right, Sarah Hogg is graduating from Georgia Southern University, magna cum laude, with a Bachelor of Science degree in kinesiology. So that, that's exciting. So praise the Lord for that. And then Hunter Stanton, I don't believe Hunter is here either, is graduating from Middle Georgia State University with his certificate in aviation maintenance certification. So uh, and then one more we want to recognize is our very own, our associate pastor of students, Mr. Gary Isaacs who graduated from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary with the Masters of Divinity uh, from the Great Commission Studies focused in on pastoral ministry. So, Gary, if you'll come up here. Uh, when I graduated, I was presented with a book that has been so helpful to me. 
It's called The Great Doctrines of the Bible, Three Volumes in One by Martin Lloyd-Jones. Um, and so hopefully that'll be... And as exciting as that accomplishment was, he might be more excited that his family is now with him full time. So, uh, so welcome to the Isaacs family. All right, so this morning we have four high school graduates that we want to recognize. They happen to be all young men. Um, we're going to present them when they come up here with a diploma, uh, also with a medal, um, and a, a book as well from our, uh, a, who's it from? A.W. Tozer. There we go. I'd written it down and forgot to put it here. Um, but a, a fantastic book for them. Um, these four young men, I've had a chance over, especially the last year, working a little bit more in our student ministry with them uh, to see them grow in their walk with the Lord, to see them mature, um, fine young men who I believe love the Lord, had a chance to baptize two of you, um, and so it's exciting to see what God's going to do in their life. So I'm going to call them up. They're going to come as an individual first uh, to receive their diploma and their medal, and then their parents are going or their family's going to join them as well. So first, we have Ernest Cornelius Glover IV. Also known as EJ. There you go. All right, mom and dad, if you want to join them, his parents, Ernest and Liddell Glover, they've been attending Northside now for over a year. And so I want to read uh, his accomplishments to you as they stand here uh, with their son. I know they're proud. Ernest Cornelius Glover IV, a.k.a. EJ, is graduating from Northgate High School with honors. He was a member of the inaugural Northgate eSports team. He and his family have been visiting here at Northside over the last year. EJ is planning on attending either West Georgia Technical College or Middle Tennessee State University in the fall. This summer, he plans to serve in his grandmother's ministry, Lifting Jesus Higher. EJ's favorite verse is Matthew 6, 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. EJ, man, we're proud of you. Next, we have Toby Stewart Johnson. Toby's going to be joined by his mom and dad, Mr. Paul and Miss Gina. They're over here. Toby Stewart Johnson is graduating from Northgate High School with high honors. Toby is a member of the National Honor Society with advanced and AP classes, as well as dual enrollment. He was in district honor band all four years of high school, served as the principal trumpet this past school year in the GMEA All-State All Orchestra. Toby has played in a number of orchestras, including the Atlanta Symphony Youth Orchestra, the Emory Youth Symphony Orchestra as principal trumpet, 
and the Georgia Youth Symphony Orchestra as principal trumpet. Here at Northside, Toby has played bass guitar and the adult praise team and youth praise team for the past couple years. He has also served as a teacher's assistant in Children's Church, a VBS volunteer helping with recreation, a skills evaluator, and an assistant coach in our upward soccer ministry. He's helped sort shoe boxes at the Operation Christmas Child Processing Center. And in the fall, if anybody wants to clap, Toby will be attending the University of Georgia. Feel free. And his favorite scripture is Romans 8, 38 through 39. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Toby, we're very proud of you, man. Next we have Tucker Scott Kearns. Come on up, Tucker. You want to come? Tucker's going to be joined by his dad, Travis, and younger sister, Lily. Tucker Scott Kearns is graduating from the campus. I love this. Tucker was elected the homecoming king not once but twice at school and was a two-year participant in the running club. He was voted most likely to be a teacher by his classmates and is a member of the Thespian Society. Tucker also played rec league baseball and Sharpsburg youth baseball. At Northside, Tucker served uh, in our upward sports ministry as an assistant coach for both soccer, flag football. He's also served in the Bridging the Gap ministry. Last summer during youth camp at Snowbird, Tucker made a profession of faith, accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Most of you remember that. And then I had the privilege of baptizing him a few weeks later on July 11th. Tucker plans to attend Clayton State University in the fall and majoring in history with a secondary education concentration. His favorite verse is John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Tucker, we're very proud of you, man. Next, we have Timothy Stephen Roth. And Timothy, a.k.a. Tim, is going to be joined by his parents, Scott and Janet Roth. Timothy Stephen Roth is graduating from Abeka Academy with high honors and a 4.0 GPA. He has earned the President's Award, the Academic Achievement Award, and the Academic Honors Award. Here in Northside, Tim has volunteered in VBS, and he has been the voice of our Upward Sports Ministry as the announcer. He has served on the youth worship team doing sound and works in the sound booth here uh, at Northside. Tim has been on mission trips to Alaska, Kentucky, Pennsylvania, has volunteered with Operation Christmas Child. He's helped with several church cleanup days, men's work days, uh, 
Most recently was our youth pastor, or was the, was the preacher on Youth Sunday back on May 1st. Tim is attending Vincent's University this fall, and he's majoring in broadcasting. His favorite, so he'll be the future announcer for the University of the Kentucky Wildcats, just, <laughs> just so you know. He and I talked about that last week. His favorite scripture, 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, all scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Tim, we are so proud of you, man. One more time, will you let them know how proud you are of them? All right, families, you may return to your seats. In just a moment, we're going to show a video. We're going to give them time to get to their seats. Let me say two things. One, I love that Northside does this. I love that Northside is the size that we can do this. It'd be hard if we had 10 to 15 graduating every year to be able to make it this personal, uh, but we're allowed to do that. And uh, to me, this is an opportunity. The reason we do this is because it's an opportunity for us as a church to praise God. Uh, somebody came up earlier, I can't remember who it was, but was talking about how little they were. And, and you have had a part to play in their life, whether they've been here a year or 17 years. And so I'm thankful for that. I also want to give a huge shout out to Miss Andy Mazda. Um, if it were not for her, Gary and I would be lost up here today. So she has done all the emailing, all the communicating with the parents, getting all of this information, and she spent a lot of time on this video that you're about to see, some great pictures. So laugh, some of you may shed a tear or two, uh, but check out this video, and then Gary's going to come after and just pray a prayer blessing over our students.
must pray for those graduates. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we commit each of these young men to you. Lord, your plan for them, Lord, is according to your will, Lord, and I pray your will upon them, your grace upon them, and may you make your face to shine upon them and their family, and may you grant them, Lord, grace and peace and goodness and grace. May the road ahead, Lord, with all of its challenges, Lord, all of its good things and difficult things, Lord, be paved, Lord, with your hand, your mission, helping them along. I pray you give each of them according to their gifts, your grace, your mercy. You be with those families, be with those moms and dads and brothers and sisters. And help them, Lord, in those decisions that will come. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name.
There's a story that Jesus told one day about a lamb that was lost and gone astray. Though the rest were safe within the fold, the shepherd searched for the one out in the cold. He would not rest until the one was safe and sound. He would not stop until the lost one had been found. Even for one, he went where no one dared to go. Even for one, he gave his life, his love to show. As the shepherd searches through the night for that one who needs to find the light, we hear his call to give our all, even for see the one abandoned and alone walking lonely streets without a home the enemy has caught them in his snare and bound them to a life filled with despair will you join the shepherd in the fervent quest to rescue those who need to find his peace and rest rescue the perishing care for the dying jesus is merciful jesus show as the shepherd searches through the night for that one who needs to find the light we hear his call to give our all even for
You got me unmuted? All right. Praise the Lord. I did not want to hear that high-pitched noise again. So hopefully we won't have any issues while we're going through this. Those of you who are remaining in here, would you take your Bibles and go to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to look at just one verse this morning. Ephesians chapter 5. But I'm going to read the verses in the context just so, so it's helpful to know I'm not pulling a verse out of context. So I'm actually going to read, beginning in verse 15, going through verse 21, but the focus will be verse 17. So Ephesians chapter 5, would you please stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. This is the inspired Word of God. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. We looked at those two verses last week, our verse this morning. Therefore, do not be foolish. But understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. You may be seated. With your Bibles open, let me just show you what Paul's doing before we dive into verse 17. Last week we saw that he says, look carefully then how you walk, and he makes this statement, not as unwise, but as wise. He's about to expand upon that in verse 17. The unwise, right, that, that correlates with the therefore do not be foolish, verse 17. But then he says in verse 15, but as wise, that correlates with understand what the will of the Lord is. So in verse 17, he's expanding upon what he said in verse 15 and 16. I was reading this week, and I came across this paragraph by John Phillips in his commentary. We spend years going to college to study medicine, physics, chemistry, business management, engineering, and history. We invest time and money to sit at the feet of those who, who we consider to be learned. We buy their books, we attend their lectures, we apply our minds to master what they have to say. But 
we neglect our Bibles. What folly. What an exposure of our warped sense of values. There is no wiser, no more knowledgeable being in the universe than the author of the Bible. There is no more patient teacher than the Holy Spirit. There is no greater book than the Bible. There is no greater privilege this side of heaven than to have a copy of the inspired Word of God. And yet, John Phillips writes, we often let it gather dust. That's a pretty convicting way to start a message. But, we're going to come to this several times, we're going to see the importance of God's Word in what Paul's calling us to. So he says, verse 17, Therefore, in light of what he has said, here's the second, remember I told you there's three in this, in this paragraph, the second not but statement. The first one is, not as unwise but as wise. The second one is, therefore, do not be foolish but understand what the will of the Lord is. So just a couple things I want you to notice this morning. Number one, right, it's just do not be foolish. That's what he says, therefore, do not be foolish. Now we're only going to spend about two or three minutes on this part. Um, the word foolish means without without understanding or without sense you're without proverbs chapter 1 verse 7 proverbs chapter 1 verse 7 let me read that verse for you you're familiar with it it says the fear of the lord is the beginning of knowledge the fear of the lord is the beginning of knowledge fools however despise wisdom and instruction so we think someone who is foolish and paul says listen do not be foolish a foolish person is one who hates wisdom, does not want to gain wisdom, but a foolish person also refuses to acknowledge God. When they are living their daily life, they are doing, doing it Excuse me, apart from God and His will. Some of you this morning, maybe you would say, Pastor, I'm an atheist. I don't even believe in God. You don't believe in God. Therefore, you're living your life completely apart from God. But I think in this room... I don't know how many of you would say you are an atheist, there is no God, but I wonder how many of you are practical atheists. What I mean by that is, you say there's a God, you may even say you believe in Jesus, but your day-to-day -day life, God does not factor into your decisions. God does not play any part in how you live your life. When you're thinking of what is, what is, what is my will, you're not thinking about what is God's will. And so Paul says, do not be foolish, but, and here's where I want to spend most of our time this morning, understand what the will of the Lord is. Understand what the will of the Lord is. So, so understand the will of God. Now, theologians, when we talk about, when they talk about the will of God, they often distinguish. And so hopefully this will help you. Maybe it won't, but hopefully it will. They talk about the general will of God versus the particular will of God. So the general will of God is that which, what he has revealed in his word, that applies to humanity. When we think of the particular will of God, that's what we often think about. What is God's particular will for my life? Like, who am I supposed to marry? Where am I going to go to college? What job am I going to have? We often think of God's will in those terms, God's will for me, but, but there's also the general will of God. Another way to distinguish it is God's revealed will versus his secret will. So let me, let me distinguish those. God's revealed will is that which he's made known to us in Scripture. That's his revealed will. So God, in Scripture, tells us to love our neighbors. He says, don't murder. 
don't steal. Like, that's his revealed will. So if you're there right at the gas station, you're like, man, should I take this candy bar? You don't have to say, God, what's your will? The answer is don't. He's made it clear in his word. That would be stealing. That's a sin. Don't steal. So he's made that clear. Gossip. Like when you pick up the phone to call that other person in your Sunday school class to gossip. Like, should I do this? The answer is no, don't, because God's clear. Don't gossip. You don't have to struggle. with Was gossip a sin? Is God okay with it? The answer is no. He's revealed that in his word. Right? We're not to boast. Sexual immorality is a sin. He makes that clear. So that is God's revealed will. But then we also talk about God's secret will. And we know that God rules and reigns over all things. When we talk about God's secret will, we're talking about those things that we don't know are going to happen until they come to pass. So when I started back in 2003 at uh, Northview Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, as a student pastor, I had no idea what God's will was going to be for my life as far as where I would go next which was Durban Memorial, to be a pastor. And then I did not know in 2003 that God would then move us to Florida where we got to minister for nearly 10 years to a sweet church down there at uh, Eagles Nest Baptist Church. And I had no clue in 2003 that in 2019 God would bring me to Northside. Right? That was God's secret will that he reveals to us in the moment as we're seeking his will. So when Paul says, but understand what the will of the Lord is, what will is he referring to here? Certainly, we could say both, but I think what he's primarily pointing to here is his general will. He's not really saying, understand God's personal, particular will for your life. He's saying, understand what God's general will is. Paul uses this word will multiple times in Ephesians. He talks about the counsel of God's will. And so, let me just let me, let me point out two things to you when we talk about the general will of God. Now, look, we could point out many things, and I could preach for an hour. I'm going to try to preach for about 25 minutes. So, just let me point out two things. Number one, when we think about the general will of God, it is this. First thing is that you can know the will of God. The first thing is you can know the will of God. That's important. God's will is knowable. And two things in particular I want to point out when it comes to the general will of God is God's gracious saving plan. God's gracious saving plan. That you might know the will of God. What I want you to know this morning is God's gracious saving plan. I love this quote by John Stott. It should be on the screen. The will of God for the people of God has been revealed in the word of God. Say, Pastor, what's the will of God? I'll point you to the word of God. Because the will of God for the people of God is found in the Word of God. And when you read the Word of God, what you will find is God's gracious, saving plan. That is that this morning, through Jesus Christ, you, each of us, can have a relationship with God the Father. The choir just sang about it. That the Father will leave the 99 to go find one. That this morning you can respond and be saved. This is God's gracious, saving plan. John chapter 6, verse 40. For this is the will of my Father. This is Jesus. This is the will of my Father. That everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. Jesus says that anyone who looks upon the Son can have eternal life. You say, Pastor, what's God's will for my life? It's that you would be saved. It's that you would call upon the name of Jesus right now and that you would experience eternal life. That's the will of God for you. But then when we go beyond that, the second thing I want to draw your attention to is, 
is this. God's general will for your life, once you give your life to Him, is that God is going to form a people into the likeness of Christ. Say, Pastor, what's the will of God for my life? If you know Jesus, God's will for your life is that He's going to conform you into the image of His Son. Romans chapter 8, if you want to turn your Bibles there for a moment. We all know verse 28. Sometimes we neglect verse 29. Verse 28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. Now sometimes we don't know what that's going to look like. Sometimes, right, God's plan doesn't always make earthly sense. God, what are you doing? But He's promised He's going to take all things, the things that you don't even know yet, and He's going to work them together for your good. But here's what He has revealed to you. So don't just focus on verse 28 and neglect verse 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. Here's God's promise to you. He's going to work all things together for good, and he's going to do it by conforming you into the image of his Son. The Father wants you to look more like the Son. That's his will for your life. So are you looking more and more like the Son of God. You say, Pastor, what's God's will for my life? That you might know Jesus and that you might look more like Jesus. Now, we could add a lot to that, but that's what I want to say this morning about you can know the will of God for your life. Secondly, we can obey the will of God for our lives. It'd be one thing for God to say, hey, I'm revealing my will for you, but apart from the Spirit of God, you have no power to live it out. You are unable to live it out. So look what he says in the following verse. We're going to look at this next week. Verse 18. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. So not only does he say, hey, listen, I'm going to reveal myself to you. You can know me and my will for your life. But then I'm also going to give the Spirit of God who indwells you, causes you to be born again, gives you a new heart, you're a new creature. And so now you can actually live out God's will for your life. That's good news, brothers and sisters. As you're thinking about what does God want for me, the Spirit of God indwells you to guide you, lead you, convict you, teach you, train you. He's doing all of that in you if you have given your life to Jesus. And then the third thing is this. We are to take hold of God's will in our day-to-day living. So you can know the will of God. He gives you the Spirit of God so that you can obey it. And then day by day, we want to take hold of God. What is your will for my life? And I want to live that out day-to-day. Now hear me. So often, our focus is on God's particular will for our life remember that hidden will so you're 18 19 20 your focus is like what am i going to do when i graduate who am i going to marry when's god going to bring that person to me like that's our focus but sometimes what we do hear me closely is we focus so much on god's particular will for our life that in the process we neglect god's general will for our life Listen to this quote. It'll be on the screen that I read this week. We often want to know God's hidden will for the future while walking contrary to His revealed will in the present. 
Now, what, what's my future going to look like? Where's God going to take me? What's God going to do? Right, four seniors. You, you guys are getting ready to go into a, a world that is unknown, a world where you're going to have more freedoms than you have ever had in your life. And our focus becomes on what's God's will for my future that we neglect what's God calling, to, calling you to right now. Like, how are you supposed to live right now? And that's not contrary to the Word of God, but in line with the Word of God. Don't neglect God's revealed will for you, which He has given us through His Word. Let me just give you several scriptures. In Matthew 6.10, Jesus taught us to pray, Your kingdom come, your will be done. Not mine, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We think, well, that's wonderful, Jesus. You gave us this beautiful prayer, but Jesus, did you live this out? Did you model this for us? The answer is yes, because Jesus said, Father, if you are willing, remove the cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus models for us what this looks like. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 2, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. Psalm chapter 40, verse 8. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. Psalm 119, 47. For I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. So God has made his will known to us, and we are to take hold of that in day-by-day living. We should delight in doing the will of God. So let me give you three things this morning. Number one, to know the will of God, we must know the word of God and submit to the word of god not just to know it but then to submit to it martin luther listen to this quote by martin luther feelings come and feelings go and feelings are deceiving my warrant or my authority is the word of god not else is worth believing you are not to live your life based upon your feelings Hear me, you are not your own authority. You will submit and bow your knee to a holy, righteous God. You can deny Him all you want now, but a day's coming in which you will bow your knee to Him. So start living your life now. He has authority over you. And God has given us clear commands in Scripture, and we must submit to them. He doesn't stumble. He doesn't stutter. He's given us His Word, and it's clear. And we talked about it. You don't have to wonder about many, about many things. It's clearly in His Word. But now we also have to recognize that God's Word does not speak directly to every decision you will make in your life. So back when I was 18, 19 years old, man, it would have been awesome if I had been reading and came to like Ephesians, and it said, Aaron Hornsby, oh, that's me. You're going to marry Ryan Eve Morris. Wow, thank you, God, for letting me know that clearly in your word. That would have been amazing. It's not there. If you're like, man, I missed that verse. It's because it's not there, <laughs> right? So did God specifically tell me this is where you're to go to college through his word? No. Many, 
most of the decisions you make in your life, God's word, it's clear. If you will just stop and say, what does God's word say? You'll make the right decision. But there are other decisions we make. Where do I go to school? What house do I buy? Right? Should I marry this person? That sometimes, right, God's word doesn't just clearly state it. But here's what God's word does. It always provides us with principles to guide us. For example, marriage. God's word tells us we are not to be unequally yoked. What part does a believer have with an unbeliever? So if Ryan, if I'm falling in love with her and she's an unbeliever, I don't have to, God, what's your will? God has given me a principle. And I have no idea what's going on with my voice here, but <clears throat> I keep losing it. Um, right? So we trust the Lord in, in that. So he gives us principles to guide us. Listen to what John Calvin wrote. God cannot approve of anything that is not supported by his word. Does God approve? Well, does his word give approval? Because if his word doesn't approve it, then God will not approve it. So the first thing is, we must know the word of God and submit to the word of God. Secondly, we must give careful thought and prayer to the will of God. He says, understand, this is an imperative, this is a command, you are to understand the will of God, and so what do we do? We give careful thought to it. We pray about it. Wisdom in the Bible is never self-centered or self-focused. <clears throat> God's not going to give you wisdom so you can go live however you want to live. No, wisdom comes from God, and he says if you lack it, you can ask him and he will give it to you. And so you're, you're thinking, Pastor, I'm praying about God. What is your will for me in this life? Well, keep thinking about it. Keep praying about it. Go to the Word of God. Is there a clear command? Are there principles that are guiding you to make that decision? Spend careful thought and prayer to the will of God. And then third, we must seek advice from godly men and women. You go to the Word of God. What's the Word of God say? You pray about it. You seek the face of God. You let the Spirit of God lead you. And then if you're still uncertain, you go find your deacon, a Sunday school teacher, a close friend, Gary, a student pastor. You come to me and you say, hey, this is what I'm thinking from your experience, from your knowledge, from your understanding. Do you believe that this would be the will of God for my life? And then when you've known the Word of God, and you've read the Word of God, and you've prayed about it, and you've sought counsel, you have the freedom to enjoy doing the will of God. And that's how I want to end. I want you to understand, it is a joy to live in the will of God. Amen? It is a joy. Our God is not a killjoy who is sitting in heaven right now, ruling and reigning, saying, man, I want to make those people in Northside just miserable. I'm going to give them all these rules. I want them walking around with a frowny face. I want them a hating life. Listen, this is free. Some of y'all need to smile more. Some of you wear your emotions on your sleeve. And some of us are wired that way. And you can't fake it. You just need to smile more. It's a joy to walk in the will of God. So here's how I want to illustrate it. And then we'll close with prayer. I want you to imagine you're sitting down to enjoy one of your favorite meals. Now, there's only one of us that gets to talk right now, so you're going to have to enjoy my favorite meal with me. One of my favorite meals is bonefish. And why Coweta County doesn't have a bonefish, I don't know. But I love bonefish. I love to get a filet with a side of mashed potatoes and asparagus. And so when I sit down, now in our minds, we don't actually think this way because we've been eating food for so long. But really what's going on when you sit down to eat, 
right, and they bring you that meal, you have to know that what you're about to eat is actually food. Like, this isn't for dogs, this isn't for cats, this isn't something they just went out and got out of the dumpster. Like, I know this is food, I know what I like, I know I enjoy this steak, the mashed potatoes, the asparagus. So I know it. And then I got to believe. I got to believe that this is real. This isn't some play toy that they got out of the, the nursery kitchen. I was hanging out with the kids earlier talking about what all these little fake foods are. This isn't fake. When I sit down to eat it, I'm not thinking, oh my goodness, is the cook trying to kill me? Is he going to poison me? Can I really trust that I can? No, you just believe this is real. This is going to be good. And in your heart, you love it. Like you already know, man, I've had this before. This is going to be good. Like you can already taste it before you've actually tasted it. Because in your heart, you love food. Anybody in here love food? Anybody getting hungry now? There you go. If you didn't raise your hand, something's wrong with you. Right? You love food. And then what's going on is you have the desire and the want to eat it. Let me ask you this question. Anybody in here ever had the stomach bug? We all have. You feel like eating when you have a stomach bug? Nope. You can put bonefish in front of me, but if I've been sick for the last 24 hours, I won't touch it. Give me a couple days and then I'll eat it. I have no desire if I have the stomach bug to eat that. But when you're feeling good, right, you've got the desire, you're hungry, you know you're going to enjoy it, so there you are. right? You know it's real, you believe the cook's not trying to kill you, man, you love this stuff, you want to enjoy it, what do you do? No thanks, I'm not interested, I'll just pay for it and go home. No, you start to eat it. You do it, you put it in your mouth and you start making noises and man, you're just enjoying every last bite and then, you, and then you look at your wife's plate and say, hey, are you going to finish that because I'll eat it? And then I'll take this, right? You just keep eating because you love to eat. Now, let me apply that. I know that's silly, but let me apply that to doing the will of God. If you're going to do the will of God, it starts with knowing. Just like you know that's food, you have to know, hear me, you have to know the word of God. You have to know the will of God. But it's not just enough to know it. Then within your heart, you have to believe. You have to believe that God is good and He's not a killjoy. You have to believe that God wants the best for you. That God made you in His image. He knows what's best for you. And then you got to believe in Jesus. you got to believe the gospel. you got to know you deserved hell. And Jesus has rescued me. And He is worthy of my entire life. He's now not just Savior, but He's Lord. He rules and He reigns. And He wants me to follow Him. And so you, you know it. You believe it. And then you're, as you continue to know His Word and you continue to walk with Him more, you grow in your love for Him. Your love for Him becomes supreme. You love Him more than you love the things of this world. Your love increases over times. Over time, your heart becomes filled with gratitude. God, thank you for leaving the 99 and coming after me. Right, And you, you have joy in your heart as you proclaim the greatness of God. And then, as you know Him and believe Him and love Him, you know what begins to happen? The Spirit of God begins to change you from the inside out so that you now begin to desire and want to do the will of God. Look, for some of you, when you first got saved, coming to church was a chore. Like, maybe it was foreign to you. Like, I got to go to this place and be there like at 9.15 on Sunday mornings. I used to sleep in. I left this morning. My neighbor was coming out, golf clubs. He's going to play golf. It's a, it's a different life between a believer and unbeliever. And at first, man, reading God's word was a chore. Praying was a chore. Like gathering with other believers, like, man, do I have to do this? But over time, the Spirit of God begins to change you to now, we couldn't keep you home. 
Some of you want to come when you're sick. You want to be here so bad, right? Like you just, I can't stay home. I can't not read the word. I can't not pray because my desires have changed. And when your desires and your wants begin to change, you know what comes next? You just begin to do the will of God. You just begin to live step by step, day by day, living out God's general will, but also God's specific personal will in your life. Why? Because you know who God is, and you know He can be trusted. And you know the best place for you to be is in the will of God. Now hear me. I alluded to this earlier, but Charles Swindoll says, God's heavenly plan doesn't always make earthly sense. Some of you right now, man, you're in the midst of the will of God, and man, it's making sense, and you're walking in joy. And some of you, you're in a season, if you're honest, where you're trusting in God, but it makes no earthly sense to you what He's doing. And in that moment, just keep trusting. Keep believing. Listen to Psalm 143, verse 10. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. If that's where you are, you're just struggling, God, it doesn't make sense, would you just take Psalm 143, verse 10, and commit it to memory? Lord, teach me. Teach me to do your will. Teach me to follow you. Teach me to trust you. For you are my God. Then it goes on to say, let your good spirit lead me on level ground. Church, let us be men and women who live our lives seeking in all that we do to know, understand, and do the will of God. It won't always be easy. But man, what blessings come, which is walking in obedience and faithfulness to the will and the plan of God for your life. Would you close your eyes and bow your head? This morning, the will of God for you is that we all be saved. Right? He, he says that he doesn't wish any perish. So this morning, maybe you came to support one of the graduates, or you're looking for a church, or you just felt compelled to pull in here today. Man, do you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life? Because if you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, then you are walking apart from God. You have no relationship with God. You're cut off from God, the Scripture says. So this morning, right where you are, would you just pray, Jesus Christ, forgive me. I'm a sinner. The Bible says I deserve hell. I'm damned to hell. But you left the 99. God, you sent Jesus to die for me. So this morning I'm confessing with my mouth and I'm believing in my heart that Jesus, you are the Son of God, the Christ, and Lord and Savior of my life. Maybe you've already given your life to Jesus. This morning would you recommit right now just to say, Jesus, not only are you Savior, but you're Lord. And I've got this decision going on in my life and I've neglected to come to you. I've neglected to pray. I've neglected to read. I've neglected to seek wisdom. And so right now, Jesus, I'm repenting of that. And before I make this decision, Lord, I just want to make sure I'm making the decision that pleases you and not what I want. Father God, we are living in a day and age that is becoming more hostile to your word, more hostile to your people. God, it will not be easy for us as believers to live out the revealed will of God for our lives. But it was never supposed to be easy. And in America, I think we've lost sight of that. But Jesus, you said, they hated me, they'll hate you. So God, would you give us the boldness and the courage to stand for what the Word of God says is right and true. 
And whatever comes as a result of that, may we just continue to trust in you. Father, for the particular decisions that we have to make in our life, oh God, we just come to you and we just pray, God, we don't want to make these decisions apart from you. Lord, we want to bathe them in prayer. Jesus, we just want you to open doors and close doors and may we be faithful to follow you every step of our lives. Father, as we sing this closing song, 10,000 Reasons, Lord, would you fill our heart with gratitude? Would you fill our heart with repentance? May we just find great joy this morning in praising you for your blessings that you have bestowed upon these graduates, but also upon Northside. For your glory and for your will, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask you to stand, and we're going to worship together. the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship Your holy Bless the Lord, oh my soul. 
All right, if you'll remain standing, just a couple announcements before you go. Don't forget, tonight we do have our graduate reception. It's an open house. You can come anywhere between 4.30 and a little bit before 6. So you can eat and uh, just love on our graduates. Then at 6 o'clock, we come in here for our church conference. So we need to be aware of that. Uh, please look at the bulletin. June 5th is Promotion Sunday. We won't have a normal Sunday school. So all the instructions are there. We want everybody to be a part of that. It's an exciting day in the life of our church. Also on that Sunday, June 5th, that Sunday morning, Brian Scoggin, who is the former drummer for Casting Crowns, uh, has gone on, went on tour with him for years. He'll be here that morning preaching. Uh, he no longer drums with him, travels with him, but now he does a foster and adoption ministry. So we're going to focus on that on that Sunday morning, so that'll be exciting. We also have a summer kickoff on June 1st from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. That's a Wednesday night. So make note of that. VBS, you can now register. That's in there. One other thing, Wednesday night. Uh, we're going to start this Wednesday at 615. Because parents, you have to drop off your kids like right down the road here for the dive-in. So we won't start Wednesday night till 615. So you got a few extra minutes uh, to get here. So make sure you make note of that. All right, Ryan McMichael is the deacon of the week. So he's going to come and dismiss us with a word of prayer. Same forgiveness this time to gather together in your house, Lord. Lord, thank you for each of these graduates, Lord. Thank you for the accomplishments that they've had. Lord, do ask you to do work in them that they would not just be seeking you in the big things in life, Lord, but in the day-to-day, -day, Lord. Lord, work in us as well that we would be truly seeking after you in everything that we do, that we would be seeking you, that we would be loving you, serving you more, Lord. Lord, do guide us and direct us in all we do. In Jesus' name.